Hello and welcome to Rock and Talk with Dak, your podcast for any and all things music. Each week we're talking about something in the world of music. Bands, albums, artwork, news and reviews. Be sure to subscribe to the feed on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. You can also check out our Instagram for Song of the Day and head on over to Twitter to give feedback or just to say hi. I'm your host, The Dak. Let's dive into today's episode. I just first want to say I hope you're all staying safe and healthy out there. It's been saddening to see just how many people, in particular to this show, musicians, have been passing away due to the complications from the coronavirus. Um, legends, you know, jazz greats such as Ellis Marsalis, Bill Withers, and Bucky uh, Pizzarelli. There's also been uh, recently Adam Schlesinger from Fountains of Wayne. My sincere thoughts and prayers go out to everyone who's lost a loved one or is currently dealing with any hardships related to the virus. I feel very fortunate to be able to continue the programming of the show, even though this is only episode four, and bring you a small bit of distraction throughout the day. Again, your viewership, or rather listenership, is most appreciated. So let's move on to something a little bit brighter, something a little different than what I've done over the past few episodes. Today, April 6th, marks the 28th anniversary of Annie Lennox's debut solo album, Diva. The album went on to achieve huge international acclaim and make its way to quadruple platinum status in the UK with five strong singles. To put that unprecedented success into perspective, her decade-long collaboration with David Stewart in the synth-pop band The Eurythmics produced a huge string of hits, including but not limited to Missionary Man, Here Comes the Rain Again, There Must Be an Angel, and of course, Sweet Dreams. But none of their studio albums reached the same heights as Lennox's debut solo effort. But instead of focusing just on the music, I want to look at her life and her music history and see how she went from unknown flute player to understated music icon by the time Diva was released in 1992. Annie Lennox was born on Christmas Day in 1954. Her father, much like fellow musician Sting's own dad, worked in the shipyards, while her mom was relegated to the normal housewife tasks of the time. In the following decade, she left home and would move to London, eventually leading her to win a spot at the Royal Academy of Music in London in the 1970s. Fun fact, a little-known Elton John had won a junior scholarship there at just 11 years old. During her time there, she studied flute, piano, and the harpsichord. Throughout her study, she worked several part-time jobs to keep extra money, and was seemingly unhappy, wondering if there was something other than music for her. She would meet the band Windsong in 1975, a folk rock band that saw Lennox sing and play flute for a short time. Though the band performed widely throughout London, they would only release a single EP in 1978. However, no credits were given to Lennox. The following year, she gained a bit more traction, playing flute in a band called Dragon's Playground, though she left before their big appearance on British TV's New Face, a television talent show similar to the ubiquitous American idols of the world that we have today. Lennox made a break when she dropped out of her studies at the Academy and met David Stewart and Pete Coombs at a local restaurant where she was working at the time. Much like Lennox, the duo had moved to London to find greater success as well. The stars began to align. Though their initial single as a three-piece was unsuccessful in 1977, they recruited a bassist and a drummer and renamed the new five-piece as the tourists. This highly productive period saw the release of three studio albums with half a dozen singles, 
two of which reached the top 10 in the UK charts. They also toured with Roxy Music, further exposing the band and its members, especially Lennox, who was the only woman on stage between both bands. It was during her time with the tours that Lennox began to make stark haircut and clothing choices, an effort that would bring even more focus and attention to her over the coming years. When the tours disbanded in late 1980, Lennox and cohort David Stewart continued writing music as a pair. They felt that the fixed band lineup of the tours was an inadequate vehicle to explore their experimental creative leanings and decided that the next project should be much more flexible and free from artistic compromise. They were interested in creating pop music, but wanted freedom to experiment with electronics and the avant-garde. Enter the Eurythmics. Annie Lennox took the name Eurythmics from an actual thing. It's not just a made-up word. It's a method developed to teach music, but rather than focus on visual representation, the method instead teaches students through the use of body movement, creating a physical experience. A definition from Merriam-Webster defines it as, quote, the art of harmonious bodily movement, especially through expressive timed movements, end quote. The duo were the only permanent members of the band, resulting in soul songwriting and musical control. Their first album, In the Garden, released in October of 1981, and was met with little success, despite the lead single, Never Gonna Cry Again, making its way to number 63 on the UK charts. The ensuing period of making their next album was met with hardships. Because they were the only members, everything was done by them from transporting recording equipment to finding a place to set up shop. All of this combined with the lack of commercial success that they were hoping for led to Lennox having at least one nervous breakdown and Stewart being hospitalized due to a collapsed lung. Nothing was going the way they wanted. In January of 1983, after two years of commercial failure, they released their second album, Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. The album was met with praise, with attention given to the production of the album, given its primitive, low-budget origins. But perhaps more attention was focused on the title track's music video. Lennox was an immediate household name and changed the fortunes of the band forever. Her androgynous visuals, the orange crew cut, and gender-bending outfit swaps would not just be explored in other music videos throughout her career, but it made her a pop icon. She also gained a following from the LGBT community for her distinctive voice and provocative stage persona. She rose to prominence alongside other gay icons Madonna, Boy George, and Michael Stipe of R.E.M. The success of the album and newfound stardom encouraged the pair to quickly record and release their next album, Touch, in November of the same year, again to much acclaim. Throughout the rest of the 80s, they released five more albums, including a soundtrack for the film 1984, totaling eight releases between 81 and 89. They continued to collaborate with others sparingly, of course, eventually working towards a quote-unquote band sound that coalesced on their album Revenge. Lennox also began what would become a lifelong passion of, of charity work in 1988. She would go on to be a supporter of HIV and AIDS campaigns, as well as Amnesty International and Greenpeace. Her activism goes unnoticed to most since it's a passion project of hers. She doesn't have or want to commercialize that work. She, she simply does it for the good of others. During this very successful phase of Lennox's life, her soul-tinged singing brought about a new turn to synth-pop. No longer was the field dominated by all-male groups and emotionless music. Her songwriting and vocals mixed soul and electronic music 
that proved popular with a broad audience. Her gender-bending visuals, wearing suits and impersonating the likes of Elvis Presley, was at odds with her female contemporaries, making her a mainstay and an icon to watch. But after eight years, eight albums, and a strenuous touring schedule, the pair unofficially disbanded in 1990. Stewart continued working on music to little fanfare, while Lennox, on the other hand, took a break from the industry and gave birth to her eldest daughter. In 1991, she began work on new music with producer Stephen Lipson, and would eventually release her debut album, Diva, on April 6, 1992. Upon release, Diva went straight to number one on the UK Albums Chart, and has since sold over 1.2 million copies, making it certified quadruple platinum in the UK alone, more than any Eurythmics album. In the United States, the album also fared well, entering the top 30 and certifying double platinum. The album would also go on to win the Brit Awards Album of the Year in 1993. As far as the music goes, Lennox wrote eight of the ten tracks solely by herself, with the other two being co-written by her. A Rolling Stone review of the album described it as, quote, state-of-the-art soul pop, and lauded her performance as a solo outing. On the opening track, Why, Lennox showcases her vulnerability as she tries to piece together a failing relationship. The melodies are sweeping to the point that you have to stop when the song comes on and let Annie's emotional performance carry you away. Walking on Broken Glass has amazing arrangements that you can't help but hum and bop your head to as you listen to the catchy piano and strings. Lyrically, she shows that no matter how much you get beat down, you can always get back on top. While Legend in My Living Room doesn't have a particularly catchy chorus, it stands out as an autobiographical account of her life. Just listen to these fantastic lyrics and the ending lines of the last verse. Little Bird represents her breaking away from the comfort of songwriting and making music that was her time with David Stewart in the Eurythmics. On here, she proves to herself that she can make it on her own. It's classic Lennox as she sings with her soul-tinged vocal delivery. The album then ends as it began, with a tune of a shattered relationship. But instead of wondering why things got to the breaking point, she expresses gratefulness that the pain and the lies of the relationship are over and that she can finally move on. In conjunction with the album, Lennox also made music videos for almost every song, and she continued her eccentric, flamboyant, and gender-bending style that started in the 80s. She has always simply been herself. She's been an icon and has continued to push boundaries. The Eurythmics wound up reuniting in the late 90s and released their first album in 10 years in 1999. They continued a smaller touring schedule and collaborated through 2005. Lennox has continued her activism and philanthropy work while also releasing an additional five solo records. She won the Golden Globe and Academy Award for Best Original Song for Into the West, which was featured on the soundtrack of Lord of the Rings Return of the King, appearing during the end credits. Her list of awards is long and prolific. Lennox managed to combine the synth-pop sensibility she commanded while in the Eurythmics with the R&B that was coming out of the 90s, as well as continue her soulful and emotional singing style. All of this and more combined created an elegant and sweeping album of loss, hardship, 
and finding one's way in life. Though she isn't mentioned much in today's music world, you can see her influence reach far and wide, including the likes of Dido, Gwen Stefani, Natalie Merchant, Nora Jones, even Lady Gaga. Modern pop music would not be what it is today without Annie Lennox, an understated icon. I hope you enjoyed this brief glimpse into the life of Annie Lennox. She's a truly amazing singer-songwriter and has earned her place in the annals of music history. I've been around her music for most of my life. I remember hearing the ominous sense of sweet dreams when I was growing up, and that song has been stuck in my head like most who encounter that particular song. Swedish band Ghost even did a cover of Missionary Man and used their fun, haunting organ sounds to twist the tune into a hard-rocking pop song. Thank you for joining me this week on Rockin' Talk with Dak. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify so you never miss a beat. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a rating on iTunes, send feedback on Twitter, or simply spread the word and tell a friend. It all helps. This presentation is made possible by listeners like you. And again, I appreciate the support. Be sure to tune in next Monday. Remember, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. See you next time.